Forests are typically touted as the lungs of the earth, and yet oceans absorb 25% of global carbon dioxide while producing 50% of the world's oxygen. Because of this, all life on earth is directly affected by oceanic health. Oceans represent a primary livelihood source for about 3 billion people. And as 10 million tons of plastic enter the ocean every year, these ways of life are being threatened. I am your host, Mike Lake, and today I will be speaking with Mauro Nadochi about how his company, Seeds, is mitigating the ongoing flow of plastic into our oceans by tackling the issue upstream in rivers from which 80% of ocean plastic flows. Innovation, resiliency, discovery. Join Mike Lake, president and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. Hello and welcome, Maro. Thank you so much for joining us today on Preview of Tomorrow. And of course, I do want to welcome all of our listeners and viewers. Um, I'd love to introduce you all to Maro Nadorci, uh, the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Seeds, Seed Defense Solutions, a company that not only collects plastic floating in rivers, but also supports the cities in sorting and transforming that collected waste into energy, virgin plastic, and even construction materials. Now, Maro, tell us, how is it that you found your passion for uh, ocean plastics and, and to take, take on that challenge? So first of all, uh, hi, Michael. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Um, let's say my story, it's to put it pretty short, is I've been working as a manager, as an executive. I was the vice president of a large organization until a couple of years ago. But I grew up on the seaside. I always had a very strong connection with the sea. Um, and with a couple of years ago, when I moved to the US, my wife got a, her dream job at Cornell University. And I had to look for something new to do in my life. And it was pretty easy for me to focus my attention on kind of doing something and trying to have an impact on saving the oceans, which is always uh, something that has been very dear to me. Uh, so a, a former colleague, actually, Fabio Dalmonte, which is the co-founder of Seeds, um, had been working as a um, waste management consultant in the UK, he had been basically carrying on a lot of projects, especially in Indonesia, Philippines, and since uh, seen directly uh, the terrible impact of river plastic on the oceans. And then he started thinking about how can we effectively and affordably stop all this plastic entering the oceans. And basically he started thinking about this solution that we call the blue barriers. And he asked me to join the company. And so we started, that's where our travel, our journey started. Well, I'm excited to get into the blue barriers in just a moment. But first, let's just lay some down some context for, for our listeners. And to be honest with you, plastics is such a big topic, and we've covered it a lot on, on Preview of Tomorrow, and it's something Leading Cities is very interested in as well. So our listeners, I'm sure, have probably heard me say in the past that you know, scientists are predicting that in the not too distant future, we'll, we'll have more plastic in our oceans than fish. Um, but to give that a little bit more 
uh, context, I mean, we're looking at something like 10 million tons of plastic entering the oceans every year. Now, I do know that a lot of that comes directly from our rivers, um, you know, flowing straight into the ocean. So do you have a sense of how big of a problem is that? Absolutely. I mean, the latest scientific research over the last couple of years have all agreed on uh, estimating about 70 to 80 percent of all this plastic that enter the oceans every year comes from the inland and basically from rivers. And this is not just, I mean, we're not talking just about, oh, I cannot dive or maybe, I don't know, my beach will be a little dirty. I mean, oceans produce more than 50% of the oxygen that we breathe uh, and absorb 25% of CO2. And it's a primary source of livelihood for more than 3 billion people. Without healthy oceans, there's no life, right? So uh, this is a problem that we need to solve and we at SEEDS are doing everything we can. I, I can assure you at the moment we have already tested and proved that we can stop up to 100% of the river plastic in, in an affectable and affordable way. Unfortunately, I mean, this is a, such a huge issue that we cannot solve it alone. There are more than a thousand rivers that needs to be addressed in order to significantly impact the quantity of plastic entering our oceans. This is a huge challenge. That's why we're talking with a lot of different organizations, companies, individuals that want to join. And you can feel it. I mean, that's a lot of commitment from mm. private organization individuals but i mean I, i'm sure that we will get there but if it will be soon enough to protect the beauty and the role of the oceans in in generating life that i don't know so uh, the more people did will depend on how many people will join this challenge how soon and how impactful we will be all, all be all together well, that brings us to seeds itself. And and do you want to explain to our listeners exactly what those blue barriers are and how do they work? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty easy. You can see some pictures. We have been on the uh, Tiber River in the art of Rome last week for a um, uh, temporary kind of showcase installation. We have collected more than a thousand liters of plastic only in, uh, in three days. So, I mean, the, the blue barriers are a simple uh, floating barriers that sink under the water because plastic is not just superficial. So our barriers sink for one meter under the water and just divert the floating objects from the main current of the river on a side of, on a side bank so that it can be easily collected. This is just made of recycled plastic and steel cables for basically making it uh, very stable so that when current is stronger, and most of the plastic is transported during flooding, so this is essential. The structure doesn't flip and keeps collecting most of the uh, of the plastic. We have proven also that in flooding conditions, blue barriers collect up to 92% of the whole plastic transported by the river. So we're talking something that is simple, affordable, and very effective. Why we need it to be simple and affordable? Because most of this plastic is transported to the oceans in developing countries where there's very few resources, but not just economical, also skills. And we have seen a lot of projects that have been funded by development funds, governments from, I would say, the Western world, that after mm -hmm. one year, two years, maybe something small broke, there was no interest of the population, no technical skills for making it uh, effective, and it's been basically dismissed immediately. So we need something easy, 
that basically self-sustain, affordable, and effective. And we think, I mean, the point is we have proven that the blue barriers are the solution, but what is the next challenge now? Because we have been talking with a lot of municipalities and organizations in those regions, and the point is they're very scared of what they will do with these mountains of mixed waste they will get out of the rivers. At the moment, it's unfortunate, it's unfortunate, but for them, it's a more convenient solution to let everything flow to the ocean. Because otherwise, tomorrow they will have a thousand tons of mixed waste to dispose and they don't have the problem at the moment. So what we're doing at the moment is exploring, testing different technologies and kind of creating partnerships for having a circular and self-sustaining, self-financing solution. In particular, we're discussing with large organizations like, for example, SAP, uh, SAP, the IT German giants, because they have a, a few pilots for using their e-commerce platforms to sell plastic that are collected by waste pickers. So why not selling the plastic collected by the blue barriers? This is one idea that we're working on, but we are exploring a lot of options because this is the next challenge. Offering these municipalities not something that is just good at collecting, but as an immediate opportunity for them to sell and create value from the waste they collect so that can also generate wealth for the local communities. This is our next next challenge at the moment. Well, and I and I will tell you that um, in uh, previous edition of the QBE Resilience Challenge, um, we've had a company, I think two companies that came through where they take waste plastics and basically convert it down to its basic building elements and can reuse all of those to build new products. Um, Absolutely, and this is this is great. We are exploring because the point is a lot of these technologies are uh, in early stage and might not all be ready for industrial scale. So we have to find what's available immediately at the industrial scale, what it's affordable. It's a challenge. It's not easy, but we're all in this. It's it's good that there's a lot of people that are putting their inventive, their innovativeness in solving these issues. And even in the worst case scenario, we have a whole logistics uh, industry around transporting waste plastics um, around the world to just dump or burn or or whatever. At least we'd be yeah. using the same logistical operations to to put it to good use. Absolutely, I mean uh, that's uh, certainly a good a good point. Um, our vision is to try to manage. Um, the plastic or the waste in general, because we will not collect only plastic, but for example, we from our test, we will collect a lot of also of organic waste, so wood branches, and also from that we can extract value through, for example, gasification is a technology that we're testing at the moment. But for the plastic, what we want to do is to limit also the all, all this transportation, because that's already so much recycled or used plastic in locum, that it doesn't make much sense in our view to ship, I don't know, HPL plastic from Indonesia for producing shoes, I don't know, in Seattle, because that's already a lot. So we're exploring different options. At the moment, I think also using it to create energy locally could be one simple approach, but um, I think that's not a silver bullet. So at the moment we are evaluating case by case, what is the best solution for generating more value and less impact on uh, greenhouse gas emissions. 
So one question I'm sure people are wondering, if you put these barriers up in a river, what does that do, if anything, to wildlife or boating or anything like that? Absolutely. It's a great question. So um, our blue barriers have no impact at all on uh, river, uh, river animals or uh, sea life or navigation. Basically, in a, this, the full extension, the, the barriers are constituted by two different parts to leave a space for boats to navigate, even large vessels, more than 200 meter vessels. So there's no, because the barriers can be um, as distant as 500 meters one from the other, because when you have created a uh, transversal current in the river, there's no, basically you don't need to have the barriers one close to the other. Uh, and basically the, the fishes and all the um, uh, river life has no impact because the barriers are just floating. They don't, there's a lot of space under the barrier where uh, basically fish can go. And also, uh, for example, eggs, so reproduction of uh, all the fish or uh, I would say river life in general, it's all based at the bottom. So we have no impact on that area. So basically there's no, there's no impact on river life at all. Which is, is really am, am remarkable that, you know, it, what I love about the solution is how effective it is in its simplicity. Absolutely. And this is the, the objective. I think we cannot solve it. I mean, we're also working with, uh, for example, the Ocean Cleanup. They have, they're a great organization uh, and they've developed a pretty complicated solution uh, from our view. It's, it's great, but will not be effective in every single river. And since we have so many, uh, I think it also simpler solution might work together. And one other thing that I, I think it's good to mention, because we have tested on the Tiber River this week, basically there is a, uh, I would say in practice, in rivers, there are some areas that are called hotlines. Basically, especially when there is a bend in a river, there are currents that push all the floating objects on one specific trajectory. So it passes mostly on one side of the river. So you don't need to cover all of the river with mm -hmm. the barriers. This week, we have tested basically 20 meter river barriers, the blue barriers on the river, which is 150 meters wide. And we have collected basically a, a very large quantity because there was also another barrier on the other side. They didn't collect anything. So there is the possibility to install first, as a first step, a very small barrier. It's kind of a Pareto effect. With 20% of coverage of the river, leaving also a lot for navigation, you can collect up to 80% of the overall uh, floating objects, all the plastic waste. You can still decide in the future to install other barriers, but with a small investment, easy uh, and affordable, you can test it with a limited investment and you can see immediately most of the results. Well, <clears throat> I do want to you know, imagine a world for a moment where all of our rivers are equipped with this kind of waste collection uh, opportunity. What does that really mean? What does it mean to that local community? What does it mean to the oceans? What does it mean to the planet? Yeah, I mean, our vision is pretty simple. Our objective is, we know that there is 10 million tons of, of plastic entering the oceans every year. We know that this is gonna quadruple uh, in 40 years. At the moment, our first step is we want to stop 1 million tons per year, but the vision in which we are able to install 
technology is similar to ours. I, I mean, also for me, what I have to my, dear to my heart is saving the oceans. If it's our company or if there is a better solution out there, I don't care. But installing river in plastic collection system on all the 4,000 rivers that are proven to be highly polluted by plastic, which means stopping about 8 million tons of plastic per year that can be transformed. That's a lot of uh, willingness in consumer to use and to pay an higher price for this plastic. So if we create a global marketplace, this can generate wealth for the local communities that are the ones that are suffering the most from this pollution that most of the time is even generated totally in other places. So our vision is cleaner oceans, wealthier local communities with simple and the technology exists. The investment is limited. We're talking about a few hundred thousand dollars per each even sizable river. So uh, these are investments that for governments are not that relevant. And there is a, a research from Deloitte that shows that for governments uh, doing nothing, which is their current approach, is creating so much sunk cost that mm. it would be much more effective to invest in river plastic collection. Well, because they're already paying for their impact on tourism, impact on fisheries, they have to spend for cleaning their beaches. So they're already paying this, but the local municipalities at the moment are the ones that are demanded to make these investments. So I would say different decision makers at the moment is not so easy for them to, to have this kind of uh, uh, visionary approach. Understood, wow. Well, it, it's sad that our time has expired so quickly because uh, it really is phenomenal what you're doing. I, I do want to thank you for taking the time to join us today on Preview of Tomorrow and, and to thank you and your, your colleagues for the work that you're doing. Um, to you know, really, I don't want to put uh, a sound hyperbolic here, but truly saving our oceans. We're trying to, Michael, and it's uh, thank you so much for giving space to introduce because I want as many people as possible to know that solution exists and to demand their decision makers, uh, their referral politicians to make something because we're running short of time. Absolutely. So if anybody does want to learn more or get in contact, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can come to our website, www.cdefensesolutions.com uh, uh, or uh, writing to me at uh, mnardocci at cdefensesolutions.com. I, uh, I repeat it because I know it's complicated. mnardocci at cdefensesolutions.com. And that's N-A-R-D-O-C-C-I. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Mauro. I, I really appreciate your time. And uh, we look forward to uh, your continued success and journey. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And wish you all the best, Michael. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guests today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. Preview of Tomorrow 
is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.